today on the Italian radio show, an interview during COVID lockdown with the one and only Sylvester Stallone and cooking Putinesca with Chef Inserra. All of this and more coming right up on West Coast Italian Radio. Welcome to West Coast Italian Radio, bringing you the Italian radio show on this uh, beautiful, beautiful fall day. Uh, here we have in uh, October of 2020. Uh, we have a great show for you today. My name is Tony Listella. I'm your host. Of course, I got my great co-host, the one and only beautiful, gorgeous Marzia Caputo in Italy. She's you know, in, in Italy visiting her family there for a couple months. So she uh, participates with us every week in the show from Italy. We'll be uh, talking with her here very soon. And um, you are listening to us today, if you're listening live here in the greater Puget Sound area, on KKNW, that's 1150 AM KKNW, or you can hear this show on our website, you can stream it live today, or you can hear it anytime you want to in the future, along with all of our past shows in our archive, by visiting our website at WCIR.biz. That's the acronym for West Coast Italian Radio, WCIR.biz. Click the link there at the top of the page, and you'll be able to hear both this week's broadcast, either streaming it or hear it uh later on in the week or any of our past uh, shows right there. And, you know, today is a really, really special day. Um, one of my very, very favorite actors and human beings of all time is a, a special guest on our show. Uh, we, we actually pre-recorded an interview with him about an hour ago. Yes, none other. You've seen me posted on the Internet, but the one and the only Sylvester Stallone, uh, great, great guy. That's coming up at 4.30 p.m. in the half hour of our show. But, you know, now we might as well get right into it because, you know, we got to get in with our Italian news, un pezzo di Italia in the Northwest. And, you know, when it comes to Italian news, quite frankly, the facts are often stranger than fiction. And I trust me, folks, all these stories are live. So uh, we're going to get our roaming Italian reporter and the WCIR co-host, Marcia Caputo, on the line with us here in Italy. Hey, Marcia, are you there? Hello, hello. Ciao, Tony. Hello, everyone. So how is Italy doing, Marcia? Getting cold, very cold. So yeah. if you have to come this season, that's already a jacket, scarf, and hat, you know. So I know that you're in northern Italy, too. So you're up, like, by the Italian Alps up there, where probably gets <laughs> right. to be about 12 degrees, you know, half of the year, right? Believe it or not, you already see the mountain, the full of snow. This right. year, it will be perfect. So. Oh, that's bad. Well, it's good to be talking with you. Uh, and I figure we, you know, we, we, we might as well get right into it. Our Pezzo di Italia in the Northwest, or Italian news, where, quite frankly, uh, you know, fact is often stranger than fiction when you're talking Italian news. And I know that all the stories we do here are true stories. So what's the first story you got for us? Well, the first one, let you do it. Because I like this one. I never heard this one. I'm no, you didn't hear this one? Okay, well, okay, I'll, do, I'll, I'll do mine first. You do your second. So I, I like was you know, looking uh, in the New York Times. I get the New York Times every uh, every day. And this came out about a month ago in the Times. It says the Italian party nominates Caius Julius Caesar Mussolini, who is Mussolini's great-grandson, okay? So uh, his grandfather was Vittorio Mussolini, of course, you know, who was the son of Benito Mussolini, the dictator back, you know, in World War II who uh, collaborated there with Hitler. Um Julius Caesar Mussolini uh, appears in a video, and he was nominated recently uh, as the leader of the Fratelli d'Italia, which is the Brothers of Italy. I guess one of their you know big political parties there, kind of like we have the, the Democrats, Republicans. They have the Fratelli d'Italia. Okay, right. Uh, according to what I read here, it says he's a patriot. He served Italy for many years. Uh, he wants to continue to do so. And um, his he, he was he's 51 years old. 
He was an officer, it says, in uh, Marina, which is an Italian city. So I think when it says he's an officer, they probably meant... No, no. Officer Marina is like a submarine. Submarine? Like what? You know, the branch of the army. It's a submarine. Oh, okay. So he was an officer in the army. Okay, got it. But no army, Marines. 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 The Marines. Kind of like we have the army, the Marines, the Navy. Yeah, like, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Sorry, no, I I would say wrong that. Can you correct me? It's not subway. What do you call it? The one, the boats go underwater. The Navy. Oh, the submarines. Submarines. All Thank right, you. So, if I say it the wrong way, <laughs> I want to make sure of okay, that. Okay, so he was in the submarines. Okay, gotcha, okay. Uh, and then he was a director of mm-hmm. Meccanica, Italian Aerospace Defense Company. So he worked for them for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, when he was interviewed by the New York Times, uh, he talked about, you know, the regaining the so- sovereignty, protecting the country and the family, uh, he appeared at the Verona Congress uh, on the family smoke there. Uh, a third descendant, of course, to Mussolini, who am, who is embarking on a political political adventure since uh, World War II. So I guess you know he's also had a couple of like his father, grandfather, also have have tried to get into politics. Um, of course, given his his unusual and very um, um, what I want to say uh, interesting name. Uh, both his first and last name, because remember, his name is Julius Caesar Mussolini, okay? So one hey, doesn't know whether Caio, we should... Ex- huh? Wait, wait the three names, Caio, yeah. Julio, Caesar. I know, I know. Really? So you don't know whether you're going to expect great things from him or he's going to be a dictator. I mean, have you heard of this guy? Tell me. You know, I have to be honest, I never heard about him. I knew uh, it was Alessandra Mussolini. So maybe he's his son. That's what I I'm don't thinking. Know. Uh, that could be. Well, it's it's his. Uh, it says here it is the Benito Mussolini would have, would have been his. Let me see here. Grandson. It would have been his great grandfather. Uh, no, his grand his grandfather was the son of Mussolini. Yeah. So Benito would have been his great grandfather. So well, we'll right. see what happens. I guess if he becomes the next Italian dictator, you know, God bless him. You know, who knows? Hey. Uh, Maybe I mean, God, those that. Italians, you Italians, you don't follow anybody, anybody says anyway, you know? <laughs> exactly. We don't argue with that. So maybe they do need that, something different. So I don't know. I don't know. Good All news, right. So uh, what else have we got here? What is your story this week from Italy? Oh, this one is an Italian priest feels sick after taking cocaine while accompanying students on a school trip. So this is okay, let me let me let me get this from you. Italian, yeah, you heard that cocaine? <laughs> an Italian priest taking yeah. cocaine uh-huh. gets sick on a, on a, on a, when he's on a on a, uh, on a school trip with students. This is like you know only in Italy. Okay, tell me yeah. about it. What, what? Let's keep going. Let's just read about right. it. So, a priest from a secondary school in Alassio, in the province of Savona. Savona is around Liguria, really north, okay? Okay, yeah, yeah. He fell sick after taking a large quantity of cocaine during a school trip to Cremona. Okay. So the priest had a cocaine overdose after taking the drug in large quantity, and a student warned the paramedic after finding him. Once um, transported to the hospital after the... Analysation, right? Analyze, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they analyze them, right? The real reason for the illness had emerged. So they had no idea what was happening, and then after they come out all the result, the police officer, after questioning him and found that he had used drug, had reported him to the prefecture to, for possession of drugs yeah. for personal use. That is no legal here. The priest now follow a rehabilitation program the story was dealt with promptly. Uh, there has been no damage to the third party, especially to minors. Say the Bishop of Albenga Imperia, Giacomo Borghetti, right. talked with him, and obviously we have agreed a therapeutic and recovery plan. And I must say that he is very collaborative. Thank goodness. The priest so, was temp- well, well. Okay. So the priest was temporarily suspended from pastoral. I call it pastoral assignment right, pending right. 
because for the rehabilitation, right, therapeutic program, which will be followed by another period in one of the recovery facility for priests operating in Italy. All right, so, so let me cut to the chase of this. Let me cut to the chase it. of this. Go. So you got this priest. He has a bunch of kids. They're on, on a field trip, seeing whatever they're seeing. The priest uh-huh. collapses. The kids don't know what happens, so they call the paramedics. The paramedics get him to the hospital. They figure this guy's overdosed. On cocaine, which you're telling me now in Italy, that's not illegal, right? No, no, you cannot. Because if you read, you heard it, they say he have only the exactly a month of personal use. For personal use, use personal right. Personal use, you cannot. It's legal. Right. You cannot. But so still, even, you know, he's out, I mean, and, and apparently this is not the first time this priest is like a drug addict, basically, okay. because now he has to go to this rehabilitation program, you know, and he's mm-hmm. suspended till he completes it, so... Very, very interesting. Again, the good news is collaborate. Okay, he collaborate with people. <laughs> He's following yeah, he the rules. Maybe you mean be cooperated or colla- maybe collaborate. Maybe collaborate is the right word we want to say here. All right, folks, we're going to be right back after the short word from our sponsors. Don't go away. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas. We're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com. Hey, Dad, thanks for helping me cook this Italian meal. We got to pass down our family recipes. Your food is always so good. What's the secret? Having the best authentic ingredients, like the Cicernio sausage, for instance. Fresh cuts of meat with no preservatives. I remember what my friend Frank Isernio said. All natural Italian sausages to make the perfect Italian meal. No wonder it tastes so good. Available in major supermarkets up and down the West Coast. Isernio Sausage. Visit Isernio.com for recipes or to find a store near you. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides having fun and tasting batches and i'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same cheers 80 proof tito's handmade vodka distilled and bottled in austin texas titosvodka.com wherever you go alternative talk 1150 is here for you and we are back with the west coast italian radio show uh again coming up at the 4 30 at our half hour of this show we have a great interview with Sylvester Stallone that we did today. Great, great guy. Uh, but now there's another great, great guy that, um, you know, is one of our celebrity chefs every year at Festa Italiana. That is none other than Chef Brad Inserra. And uh, I had the great pleasure of filming his uh, his recipe that he, he did this year for our celebrity chef um presentation since everything was done online as a virtual festival so he's make making one of my favorite favorite dishes uh, a, a really special puttanesca with uh and the way he makes it with some extra stuff at the end it just is absolutely fantastic let's run here our food and beverage segment brought to us by tito's vodka our sponsor of this segment who does so much for this show and for our community our Putinesca recipe of the week with Festa celebrity chef Brad Inserra. Here we are today making a Putinesco, also called St. John's Pasta. It's popularized uh, traditionally, uh, non-Catholic wise, by prostitutes making uh, a quick dish between tricks. And so they start off with olive oil, and I'm using the olive oil from a couple of ounces of uh, anchovy fillets. Uh, I'm cheating and adding a little bit of butter, clarified butter, called ghee by the Indians. It's got a little bit of herbs infused in it. Uh, a little added pure olive oil. It doesn't need to be extra virgin because when you're cooking with it, it's going to lose its, its oomph anyway, and it's less expensive to use the pure. So I'm going to fire up the stove with these things going. And once it gets to uh, almost smoking hot, I will then begin by adding uh, the first ingredient, which are uh, finely chopped shallots. This is two large finely chopped shallots, about uh, five, six ounces. Here we are with two and a half large finely chopped shallots, shallots, which is the first ingredient added to the oil and the butter. (laughs) 
After about two and a half, three minutes, the shells become a little more translucent. And uh, the next ingredient that we're adding will be the bell, finely chopped bell peppers. They're cut confetti, which is about the size of your pinky nail. After the shallots start to brown and become translucent, it takes about uh, three to four minutes. And you move them around the whole time. The second ingredient you want to add are your, uh, I've got uh, a small chopped, uh, finely chopped red, green, and yellow bell pepper. And that's the next ingredient. a lid on this and let it simmer for about three to five minutes. Okay, I have a bay tree, Mediterranean bay tree in my yard. I planted when I moved here. I had a restaurant in Seattle for 25 years and the second year in I planted a, a Mediterranean bay tree and when I left and sold the property it was 40 feet high. The one I planted here is still only about four feet high but it produces really beautiful bay so I added three bay leaves to this. Uh, the mix of ingredients, the shallots and the peppers, and now I'm adding uh, about four ounces of finely chopped garlic. We'll saute that for an additional uh, four to five minutes. And again, to seal the flavors, I'm going to add a lid and put it back on there and seal the deal. Alright, our next ingredient here uh, is one finely chopped small fennel bulb, fennel root. In Sicily and in the south of Italy, it's a pivotal ingredient in so many sauces. I add it just because it works. It sweetens things up a little bit because we've got a lot of the ingredients in here, the capers, uh, some of the, the peppers, uh, the selenica peppers, uh, the uh, olives are all uh, somewhat piquant. So this actually kind of balances the flavor out some. So then we got one finely chopped fennel root. You add that, you only have to saute that for about another, say a minute, and then the next ingredient are the peppers, the Greek, finely chopped Greek peppers. So there we have it. So therefore, again, here we are with the shallots, the peppers, the garlic, the fennel root, and the selenica peppers. We want to saute all those together again. The next step here, is to add the capers. And I put about uh, two and a half ounces in. I'm going to saute those for uh, just about, not even maybe 30 seconds, uh, a minute. Before we're adding uh, some chilies, before we add the chilies, which I ground with fennel seed in like a, a coffee grinder or a spice grinder. So we're adding about one ounce of a combination of about uh, half an ounce of chilies and about a half an ounce of uh, fennel seed and which will pick it up uh, with a little bit of spice. I'm going to make it a little more piquant. The next ingredient uh, are the olives. We've got uh, Spanish olives and Kalamata olives. I left the Spanish olives whole because they're tiny and the Kalamatas are sliced. So that's about, uh, about three ounces, four ounces of each. And you saute those for a while. Give it about, say maybe another minute, minute and a half. The next ingredient is our inexpensive, uh, cheap boxed red wine. This is a Cabernet from Chile, which is robust and really works real well with uh, with this certain recipe. So I'm adding about uh, a healthy cup, cup and a half of red wine. Uh, you'll want to simmer that, cook it until the alcohol is completely dissolved from it uh, before we add our herbs and our spices, which is going to be the next step. So it'll take about a, a minute, minute and a half to dissolve uh, or reduce the alcohol out of the, out of the wine. In this case, you want to leave the lid off. And then we have about, uh, about an ounce of dried thyme. You want to put it between uh, your hands and rub it like that until it releases the oils. Next thing is oregano, and the same thing, about an ounce and a half, maybe a little bit more, two ounces, and you want to rub it between your hands. And then, lastly, we've got smoked paprika, again about two ounces. We are now boiling our water 
for our spaghetti, which we're going to have with our uh, puttanesca with prawns today uh, for our lunch after the demonstration is over. We wish you were here to dine with us. Anyway, so I'm boiling about four quarts of water uh, with some sea salt, and uh, then I'll cook uh, the spaghetti in it, uh, moving it around pretty gently with these tongs for about uh, seven minutes until it's al dente. Strain it and then we'll, we'll uh, saute our prawns with our puttanesca and top it off and we'll be ready to go. We'll have so lunch. I had a question for you. A lot of people put olive oil in their water. Uh, yeah. Do you do that with yours? I, I only do that with fettuccine. Fettuccine has a tendency to stick together for some reason, but all the other uh, all the other cuts uh, don't need olive oil and it's kind of a waste of the oil. Okay, now it's time for our anchovy fillets. Before we add the tomatoes, I've got four ounces, that's, uh, or five ounces, it's two, two and a half ounce cans. And uh, that might seem like a bit much, but to me, I love anchovies, so it's not a bit much. If you don't like anchovies, you can just leave it out entirely. If you only like them a little bit, just add one can, but I also uh, chop them before I add them, so they dissolve pretty rapidly. And with the wine in there, that'll really assist in that, that whole maneuver. Our next to last ingredient are the tomatoes. So in this case, again, we have a couple of uh, these 10 ounce cans, 14 ounce cans of diced fire roasted tomatoes. So both cans in. If you like less tomato, add less. If you, add, if you like more tomato, you can add more. It's a moderate amount of tomato traditionally in Italy. So this is actually about perfect for the traditional Napolitano style of puttanesca. Hey, lastly, we have uh, the fresh chopped flat leaf parsley and fresh basil right out of my garden. And uh, that's the last thing you want to add. This will be a slow simmer, so you want to lower the heat and uh, let it cook. This is considered to be a quick sauce, so the time that we made it, it's not one of those sauces like a bolognese or a marinara that you let simmer all day. This is a quick sauce, uh, thus, you know, the sort of terminology with the puttanesca reference so that you know you go into the house you have some ingredients in the cupboard you might have a couple of things handy in the fridge and uh, you're ready to fly with it so uh, we'll let it simmer for about maybe three to five more minutes and the sauce will be ready okay now that our water has come to a boil I've got about uh, almost five quarts of water I'm adding about uh, a healthy third of a cup of salt that's sea salt and uh, we're going to cook in that about uh, two-thirds, three-quarters of a pound of spaghetti. When you cook spaghetti, you don't, again, you don't need to add oil to the water, but you do want to salt it first. You want to let it sit for about eh, between 30 and 40 seconds before you start to move it. That way it starts to kind of wilt and you don't break it when you start to move it. You want to use long tongs when you do. So here we go. Uh, so it'll take about... Uh, According to the box here, and I'm just using an inexpensive box from uh, Safeway, it's, uh, it says six to seven minutes cooking time, which is uh, pretty much right. If you want a little more al dente, go five minutes. My Sicilian family actually wanted it to like, literally still have a crunch, uh, which is fine. You know, If you're going to want to pre-cook it and then cool it down, that's taboo these days. You want to keep the starch and the integrity of the starch intact. But, uh, but still, people like to cook uh, their pasta ahead of time and cool it down and coat it with a little bit of olive oil, and there's nothing wrong with that, where you just reheat it on the fly. That works as well. So here we are, about three-quarters of a pound of pasta and about five quarts of boiling salted water. It's going to take about uh, six to seven minutes. Yeah. Brad, tell us the history of puttanesca. Well, in the south of Italy, there's two different traditions with puttanesca. One is from Apulia, and it's called St. John's Pasta. St. John's Feast Day is June 24th, and it doesn't have the chilies in it. Uh, it basically is capers and anchovies and olives and tomatoes and uh, some other ingredients and herbs and spices. But then uh, on the other side uh, of the boot, uh, in, around Naples, it was popularized by prostitutes uh, making a quick sauce between tricks. That's puttanesca, which is uh, a puttania, which means of the whore. And uh, in this sense, it does have chilies. It's a little more spiced up, and they add red wine to it generally. All right, here we are, uh, about five minutes into uh, having placed our spaghetti in uh, about four and a half, five quarts of boiling salted water. Uh, I have a colander set up in the back over here in the sink. And in the meanwhile, I am uh, heating up some of that ghee. You could use oil. 
uh, olive oil, any kind of oil, and we're going to saute some prawns in there, add a little bit of white wine, then some of our puttanesca, and then put it over our spaghetti, and we're good to go for lunch. Okay, our pasta is ready to strain. I'm going to move it over my sink. Uh, I'm not sure the camera can follow me, but we always save some of the water. So I have a, a secondary uh, little tub set up to save about uh, 12, 14 ounces of the pasta water. I'll strain the rest, and then I'm going to cool it down in this case. I'll reheat it with the pasta water because we're not quite ready for lunch. We're going to saute some prawns with the puttanesca. We'll be back in a second. Okay, we have some local uh, pink spot prawns. I'm going to saute in this clarified butter. Adding a touch of white wine. And then our puttanesca. Simmer for about 30 seconds to a minute. So here we are, the final stages uh, for our lunch. We've got uh, got the cooked spaghetti. I'm going to add about you know three four ounces of that to a bowl. Take a spatula and top it off with uh, about six ounces of our sauce with prawns. That's the puttanesca with prawns. We're going to add a little garnish here today of basil, finally parsley from the garden, pasta puttanesca with prawns over spaghetti. Buon appetito. Hi, I'm Tito Beverage, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. When I got into this business, I used to make flavored vodka infusions for my friends as gifts. When I started to make a go of it, the owner of a local liquor store showed me the dust on some flavored vodka bottles that sat on the shelves. He said, if you can make a straight vodka so smooth that you could drink it just by itself, then you'd really have something. So I did. And now all these years later, we still only make one flavor, vodka flavored vodka. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com. Hey, Dad, thanks for helping me cook this Italian meal. We got to pass down our family recipes. Your food is always so good. What's the secret? Having the best authentic ingredients, like the Cicernio sausage, for instance. Fresh cuts of meat with no preservatives. I remember what my friend Frank Cicernio said. All natural Italian sausages to make the perfect Italian meal. No wonder it tastes so good. Available in major supermarkets up and down the West Coast. Cicernio sausage. Visit Cicernio.com for recipes or to find a store near you. Pacific Food Importers has been distributing Mediterranean food products in the greater Seattle area since 1971. Beginning as an olive import company, PFI has evolved into a well-known wholesale food distributor in the Pacific Northwest, servicing restaurants, grocers, manufacturers, and caterers. Family-owned and operated, PFI stocks a wide variety of cured meats, specialty cheeses from around the world, and a vast range of Mediterranean products. PFI's service area includes the greater Puget Sound region and Portland, Oregon. Situated in North Kent, PFI has a central location allowing for efficient service and delivery, as well as convenient will-call pickups for established customers in Seattle. Pacific Food Importers Incorporated is committed to providing quality products at competitive prices to the food service industry of the Pacific Northwest. Visit PacificFoodImporters.com for more information or to contact us. Find out the latest about your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Check out 1150KKNW.com. And we are back with West Coast Italian Radio. Man, oh man, that puttanesque is one of my favorite dishes. Every time I listen to that interview, I get hungry. Now speaking of one of my favorite people, uh, ever since I was a, you know, a young guy, um, I've been following the career of Sylvester Stallone. I mean, you know, love him as an actor, love all the movies he's done. I mean, who, who, who can't love Rocky? Who can't love Rocky, right? And we had the great, great thrill today of being able to interview him. And uh, so without further ado, here is our WCR interview we had with uh, Mr. Sylvester Stallone uh, done under the lockdown, our COVID lockdown interview, we're calling it. So when you were young, what movie or TV show did you like to watch? Vividly, I was always into uh, 
true escapism as opposed to realism. Not that many Westerns. So, believe it or not, around 10 years old, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, that blew my mind. I went, because that was a time where they were, you know, using animated, the monsters, the hurt, this and that. And I like the story, which is basically kind of like Ulysses, you know, it's that sort of thing, but instead it's Sinbad. So that got me. Then uh, I started to go to things that were a little bit more uh, fantasy oriented. Not so much it's based in realism. There was a movie called, <laughs> probably the only guy remembers, yeah, Rudy's Bump. About a kid who wakes up with a, a bump on his arm and he's now Babe Ruth. You know, he was like a nerd. And so those kinds of escape business. And then finally, I'm, uh, Kirk Douglas, that's when I started getting into the Vikings and Spartacus, Magnificent Seven. They're, these are the ones that set the tone. So it was always about hero, heroism. As you got older, was there a particular movie or TV series that inspired you, made you think like, hey, I want to do that? Believe it or not, it was... Uh, Lion in Winter and Lions of Arabia. I'm going, this is serious stuff here. And these guys are 28 years old, 26, you know, Peter O'Toole. And then when I saw Lion in Winter, which today is still my favorite talking head acting movie. It's just everyone in it is amazing. And yet he's only 31 years old and he's playing the husband of Catherine Hepburn. And you believe it. I mean, he looked 55, yet he's a young man. But that power, I said, I don't know if I have that. I, I don't. Because I had um, uh, a certain, well, maybe it'll be another question. But there were certain physical attributes that I didn't have that you need to have to play that kind of character. I look kind of villainous. <laughs> I'm, I'm not king material. I'm the assassin. <laughs> but yeah, that, 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 those, the David Lean films really put it in perspective about that's where I wanted to go, but I didn't know I could go there, ability wise. So what gave you the confidence then, like, you know, to, to take the shot, to go for it? That, that's a, a very interesting question because there was no support. None. Um, First time I went into an acting class, and which is almost simultaneously when I went for an audition for like an extra. And I went in for like one word, not even a line, like, hey. And he goes, what's wrong with your voice? I go, he goes, you have a speech impediment. I go, why don't you tell me something I don't know? I slur, that's the way it is. Because my mouth, the nerves were killed there at, uh, at an accident at birth with forceps so the crooked mouth the slur that's <laughs> that somehow has to work and, and and it wasn't so i was always being called out for slurring or we can't hear you i said i'm doing it sounds great inside <laughs> before i say it it sounds like shakespeare but no when it came out and then when i started hearing myself on recordings so the point was i realized i had some problems there was no None, no encouragement on any level. You know, you, it's, that's what I think separates a lot of uh, performers or artists. It's just, they don't have a choice. You know what I mean? It's, something's pulling you along. You, you don't belong to the world of reality. That's why I think so many actors, sorry guys, are incredibly immature, but that's good for our business. In other words, their personalities have not been locked in. They're very malleable. They're, they're molding. And that's why they feel more comfortable quite often playing someone else because they can bend into that as opposed to themselves, which they usually feel uncomfortable with. So that's where I was. So we all heard the, the, uh, the urban legends of, you know, how Rocky got started and, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the way it all came together. But what's the real story? Rocky was never intended. It was almost a, a byproduct of more important films. In other words, it was being basically made for the second screening at a drive-in movie. It was not meant to be for actual consumption. And But going back before that, I realized that as an actor, just an actor, my, my days were numbered. You know, it's just because I had, I was just too, such a type that there's no way that that type would ever get to show what he can do. 
So that was one of the motivating factors that taking this tough guy persona, because I was always cast as the bully, as this, as that, as mugging Jack Lemon, getting beat up by David Carradine. And, you know, that, that, that seemed to be my fate. So I said, why don't I try to create a character that on the outside looks intimidating, but that's a shell, like a lobster. Inside, he's, he's a good guy and, and quite tender. So that was the motivating factor. The fact that uh, the screenplay came out, it was very odd. I never thought anyone would like it. They did like it, but they didn't like me. I just knew that, you know, you know, the train is coming. There's one train coming. It's like bad day at Black Rock. There's one train coming and one train out. And if you're not on it, you're never going to, that train's never coming again. I just thought this is that crossroad moment. I think in all of our lives, we have about four of them. And this was a career crossroad moment, not the marriage crossroad moment or having a child. This is it. And I thought, you know, I've kind of mastered the art of being broke. I got it. Poverty sort of, you know, agrees with me. I got it. Uh, but I knew this opportunity never come again. So I, I just took a gamble. I just literally put everything on one roll of the dice. Then when it went down, it was, it was always the ugly stepchild. I can't tell you how many times they just canceled it, dumped it. They had, they wanted to get rid of me in, in a kind of a polite way. So they put every kind of restriction, like if I said a curse word, if I did this, if I was immoral, if I did anything that they could replace me after the first week. But luckily the dailies came in. It was the first scene when we were doing it on the dock when you realize that Rocky's the worst loan shark collector ever. <laughs> he has a heart and, and uh, they went on. Oh, maybe something's happening there. But then it gets to Oscar time and we know this is very political. This is very inside. There's a lot of things going on. The last person at that time, because also Rocky was considered very patriotic and every other film there was nihilistic. You know what I mean? Every other one I was going against President's Man, this and that, bound for glory it was kind of like dark. And I said, this is never going to happen. And then I remember Frank Sinatra was walking out of the screen. He goes, you got this in the bag, kid. <laughs> Frank Sinatra. But it's, he didn't even stop. He goes, yeah, you got this in the bag. As he's walking by. Like, good enough. Anyway, we went to the first screening at the Director's Guild. And there was not a sound. There was not a clap. There was nothing. And I went, shit, this is it. And I literally, I was the last person leaving the theater. It's about eight. 500 people. I said, we're done. I was, I'm done. And as I was coming down the escalator, everyone was waiting at the bottom and it had, gave this rousing cheer. It's almost bad choreography. It's like astounding. They didn't give any reaction. Then I knew something was happening. Something was like the Bob Dylan song. Something's happening here, but you don't know quite what it is. And the rest is just America. I think to kind of tone and film switched a little bit. They started to go for optimism and let have the happier ending instead of like Rocky dies. Because when I wrote it originally, it was not so nice. It was like more realistic. I was being influenced by mean streets and things like that. And so it was, it was dark. As a matter of fact, he wasn't even a boxer. He was just a collector. He, uh, that came after. I said, maybe I should have him still in the fight game because visually and then when it won the award i think it gave validation to so many people out there that you don't have to be six foot four you don't have to be a graduate of stanford or graduate of yale acting school that um talent or ambition or just blind faith you never know you, you know you never know does it happen a lot? No, but it does. And it happens in every facet of the world, in writing, in sports. I mean, you see things that you go, wow, that's a miracle. So yes, miracles do exist. <laughs> Interestingly then, so so Rocky not only changed your life, but, but you feel it was a great inspiration. And you're probably right, it, it was for, for many other people. I thought, good news is... We just went into science fiction. We just did something miracle. And when I said, this is for all the Rockies out there, it really cemented something with my career because that's where I feel most comfortable is, re is kind of playing that character that is not 
the best, the smartest, the fastest, the this, the strongest, but he's the most determined. And, and that's what I'm really trying to bring out in people is determination. So the bad news is it's like I peaked <laughs> with the first one. I go, how do you top this? I mean, you came out of nowhere, literally you were parking cars a year before, and now you're on stage in front of a billion people. You go, you do. <laughs> we just went beyond the ionosphere. We're now like <laughs> heading towards the black hole. I mean, how do you top that? And that's, that was an issue because you can't top it because you know, your first, you can only be a star once. You know what I mean? That first impact, that thing when you make it, it's like a mind blowing. John Travolta, you know, in Greece, you stand and Pacino's like, boom. And that, Supernova never happens again. Yet we're all still trying to chase that, but it, it's never the same. It's the first time. So I have been in a dream state since 1976. <laughs> and I still am. I look around and I go, I, I can't believe that I have this life. I really, it's mind blowing. All right. So, so what would you say was the single biggest career obstacle you had to overcome? The biggest obstacle was, um, well, you had two. The personal obstacle is I, I talk to talk, but can I walk the walk? And, you know, do you have that certain thing? I think some people are just born with uh, with um, an aura and it makes a star. Like you see Arnold, go, how can Arnold be a star? He's a bodybuilder. He's just a doesn't matter. There's actors and there's stars. There's two different things. And no one, I, I felt, I, I felt I could pull it off because I've always been uh, singled out as either odd or not fitting in. I was never um, these big time social bird. I was kind of like self-insulated, but I'd be very funny. I'd be outgoing. In other words, when I had to turn it on, I'd turn it on, but then I would turn it off. So I didn't waste my time like socializing. I, I was very, very focused. And so I knew, I felt I could do it. I really did. Now the studio, no, absolutely not. They were told to watch Lords of Flatbush. Well, the, the star in Lords of Flatbush is this big six foot one blonde, blue eyed Perry King, model handsome, great guy. And he goes, well, he's the star. Uh, of, of Lords of Flatbush. So they go and see Perry King. Okay, perfect. Thinking that's Sylvester Stallone. So I get a greenlit because of mistaken identity. Then so I took the producers and a few other people to say, look, look this is not, let's just go for it and give a lot of credit to Mike Manavoy. Uh, Cause he really ran the ship back there. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. He's, he did. And you had to get to Mike, you know, and, you know, Mike's feisty. He's smart and this and that. And he would be like, I don't know if you got it. I said, you know, Mike, the one thing about you, you've got to learn to be a little bit more subtle, man. He goes, no, we care about our asses too. We're watching the studio. We don't give a shit. <laughs> if you bomb, it's on us. So we got a, uh, Believe it or not, actually, I've never told this story. I said, look, I have confidence in this movie. This is a studio. And I, and he go, I'll bet you, your Mercedes, this movie makes a hundred million dollars. He goes, you're new to this game, right? If this movie does two, we'll, we'll fire off rockets. We don't even think it's going to get released. I said, I guarantee you. If this movie makes a hundred million dollars, I want your Mercedes 450 anthracite green, anthracite gray with the wire wheels. And he got the safest bet because no one ever makes a hundred million. Back then when the tickets were a dollar sixty, when I crossed a hundred million, which I didn't see, I was so naive, so stupid about the business. I thought, oh yeah, no hundred million back then. I mean, if you did seven, Hello. Anyway, he gave me the car. I've never said that. Mike Manavoy gave me his 450. That's a great story. All right, so one last question. 
you know, with all the movie studios in the theaters that are now closed, unfortunately due to COVID-19, um, you know, w- w- what do you see is going to happen now in the industry? I mean, what's the future of the industry? Is there anything you yourself are personally working on? Well, I've been writing a lot. And actually, I finally just finished. Here's a scoop, Poe. Finally, after 51 years. <laughs> and I don't know if it's any good, but it's done. And there's another one I wrote called um, uh, Levon's Trade, which is done. And so I've been feeling, catch up with writing, because I'll tell you, Mike, writing is like having your spleen removed through your nose, being pulled by a tractor. It is not fun at all. And the um, second thing is I've just been um, thinking about the business like you just mentioned. It's impossible that it fails. It'll probably come back bigger than ever. Because people, you don't know what you got till you lose it. See what I mean? Like, like in love. Oh my God. Wow. So there is a, an, incre- an insatiable appetite by the public. They need it. They need entertainment. They always have. Now they realize how much they missed it. And they're going to be beating those theaters doors now. And they're going to be, you know, it may take a little bit, but. It's what if it never came back? We are so lucky to get this second chance. So everyone's going to up their game. Everyone's going to up their game. No question about it. Because we, we faced oblivion. We faced oblivion. I mean, literally, we're like, oh my God, we're locked on our house and you have, you don't have any, even though thank God for streaming, but still there's something like, getting outdoors, seeing the billboards, the whole pageantry of it. It's just part of the creative process dating back to ancient Greece. Fancy gloves, though. Where's old McKeith, dear? So there's never, never, ever a trace of red. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In the mid-90s, I bought a piece of land in Austin with a credit card check and built the very first micro distillery in the history of the state of Texas. I'd never built a still before, so I did some research and designed and built my own pot stills based on Prohibition-era bust photos I found in the library. I didn't know then that this was kind of the start of the American craft distilling movement right here in Austin, Texas. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's handmade vodka distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com. Hey, Dad. Thanks for helping me cook this Italian meal. We got to pass down our family recipes. Your food is always so good. What's the secret? Having the best authentic ingredients, like the Cicernio sausage, for instance. Fresh cuts of meat with no preservatives. I remember what my friend Frank Cicernio said. All natural Italian sausages to make the perfect Italian meal. No wonder it tastes so good. Available in major supermarkets up and down the West Coast is Cernio Sausage. Visit Cernio.com for recipes or to find a store near you. Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp? That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com. I gotta tell you, that was one of the thrills of my broadcasting career so far. We've had some great celebrity guests on the show over the last five years, but Sylvester Stallone, that he, one of my all-time favorites, and what a great guy. Uh, you know, I invite. I said, look, you know, when you next, when you come to Seattle, you know, come up, we'll play some golf, we'll eat some food. And he said, sure, you know. So I got to see if he's a Seahawks fan. I think he is, but you know, we'll check that out. Anyway, I, it's time to get into our Italian phrases of the day. So let's see if we still. Hey, Marchi, are you still with us here on the live Italy? Of course, am I here? All right. So, uh, you know, today's program has been great. We've had Joey DeMarco on here, uh, you know, doing, uh, you know, different uh, beverages that we can make and have a lot of fun with using Keto's homemade vodka. So I thought it would be fun if, you know, we did some really good Italian drinking phrases. So what do you got for us? Frasi italiane. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, I'm going. The first one is... Se succede qualcosa di brutto, si deve per dimenticare. Se succede qualcosa di bello, si deve per festeggiare. E se non succede niente, si deve per far succedere qualcosa. 
All right. So this uh, was said by Charles Bukowski. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, we translated, of course, uh, into uh, English here. If something bad happens, you drink to forget. If something good happens, you drink to celebrate. And if nothing happens, you drink to make something happen. Sounds like the story <laughs> of my life. All right. All right. The okay, next, next phrase, this next one is one from Humphrey Bogart. Okay. So you yes. tell us what it is in Italian. Il problema con il mondo è che tutti sono indietro di qualche drink. So basically the problem with the world is that everyone is a few drinks behind. That certainly Isn't sounds nice. like something that Humphrey Bogart would say. Did you see that it's in Italian, but they put the word last one in English, drink. Like, yeah, drink. They, they yeah. have to see now, not Italian, a lot of English words. It's really unique. I like well, it. I've noticed that, that lately, uh, you know, like in, when I study and, you know, I've been studying Italian and so forth to try to keep up with you, of course. Uh, you know, the whole <laughs> bottom line is that there are a lot of words now that, mm -hmm. you know, the Italians have kind of adopted from English that are interspersed right. with their, their languages. I mean, even like they don't say albergo anymore for hotel. They say hotel, you know? Hotel. So, That's yeah. right. All right. Our next drinking phrase for today's show. Okay. Come l'hai superata? Un po' per bocca. Now, this, of course, is anonymous, so we don't know who said it, but here's what, what it means. How did you overcome it? A bit of vodka. That, that basically <laughs> is, is how I end each day. Like, oh, my God, all this stuff going on. I need a drink, and then I feel a lot better. Okay? All That's right. That's right. That's right. And this next uh, uh, phrase uh, is from Charles uh, Bedlader, okay? Bedlader, yes. All right. Chi bene solo acqua ha un segreto da nascondere. Whoever drinks only water has a secret to hide. My uh -huh. sentiments exactly, you know. <laughs> Everybody that I know drinks, you know. I mean, if you don't drink, I don't know if I can trust you, you know. Hey, you got the confirmation right here. Exactly, <laughs> you know. All right, and our final Italian phrase, Italian drinking phrase of the day, and this one is attributed to Apuleo. I don't know who that is, but, you know, anyway. Right. So, il primo bicchiere è per la sete, il secondo per la gioia, Il terzo per il piacere, il quarto per la follia. Which again, translated means, the first glass is for thirst, the second for joy, the third for pleasure, and the fourth for madness. Yeah, because by the time you last fourth, you're like, you know, going out of your mind, okay? That's it. You're out of control now. That's well, Marcia, we miss you here, and we appreciate your being part of our show from Italy every uh, week and uh, you know next week we're having a big Halloween show uh, with Asunta so hopefully we'll get you to back and we'll we'll have you do some stuff with that too so our best to your family there and uh, you know we look you. forward to talking to you soon okay ciao a tutti and folks that is our show for the day thanks so much for tuning into West Coast Italian Radio remember you go to our website anytime at wcir.biz and hear any of the great uh, broadcasts, any of our great shows from the past. 